Welcome to The Table, where three women of three generations are navigating together how to pursue God as Father, Jesus as Lord, and Spirit as Shepherd through every stage of life. It doesn't always look pretty, and it's never perfect, but we're always aiming to sharpen each other as iron on iron. So sister, pull up a chair, settle in, and get ready to grow with us in today's episode of The Iron Women. Welcome back to today's episode. Today is part two of almost a mini series that we're doing called The Struggle is Real. Please go back and listen to last week's episode if you uh, missed that one. It is very important to what we are about to uh, talk about today. Last week's episode, we literally read scripture over you guys. As you listened, um, we addressed like 15 categories that most of us, if not all of us, are struggling with at some point and how we wanted to address those with scripture directly. But today we wanted to follow up on, yes, the power of scripture is preeminent. Uh, But there also is just some practical steps that we've pretty much covered most of these in prior episodes, but we wanted to just come back and review them um, in short and just how these are practical steps. If you are struggling with those areas from last week, these are easy things you can implement. We have been given tools. The Lord has given us ways, clear-cut ways that we can fight our struggle areas. We are not left among, like to ourselves to fight this alone. He has given us things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to jump right into it. The first area is, all of these are probably going to seem obvious, but they are needed to be repeated because we are clearly struggling. So the first way to fight your struggle is through prayer. There's confession of sin, adoration, thanksgiving, and then making requests. There's private prayer and corporate prayer. Even when you don't feel it working, keep talking to him. If you are his kid, he is listening and talking back always. And even on those nights you don't have anything to say, just sit there in silence and be together with the one who knows your heart best. He not only can handle silence, he prefers intentional silence over a hurried, half-hearted distraction. It's okay to just sit in a moment with him. He enjoys your company and he values it greatly. Your father loves his daughter's time and attention, whatever that looks like. Just imagine him sitting at the end of the bed or riding shotgun in the car, just wanting to be with you as much as possible, as much as you will let him be. He loves being with you and you will grow into loving it too if you pursue it consistently. He really does become your friend. Do you want to add anything about implementing prayer into your life? I know for me over the years, I have kind of come onto the thinking that prayer is, um, is more just like a mercy gift for us. Um, it's communion with God, but it's like God knows us as his kids and he knows that we need to sit before him and to commune with him. And like it does, it does, it's not about us, but it does so much for us. Like God in his mercy is a, is a giver of good gifts and prayer is a gift. Like it is, it's a gift. Yeah. All, all of that is true. It's, it's been said numerous times that the concept of prayer and doing it is one of the hardest things in the Christian walk. Mm. So this is what I say, just do it. Don't wait till you feel like it. Don't wait till you just need it. Just do it. Just start talking to God and, you know, using different ways of praying, whether it's the, you know, the confession, the adoration, the worship, just start talking to God. Mm -hmm. Our next category is your Bible reading, your Bible studying. We've talked so much about this in our series of prioritizing the spiritual, integrating the spiritual. It is the foundation of everything we are trying to get across in our podcast um, and to sharpen each other with is the word of God. That can be done privately. Um, It can be done corporately when you go to church or you're in a small group. Um, But security, confidence, faith, and learning the ability to experience Jesus as a true and a trustworthy friend, this is gradually built in the Bible reading day by day. It's not an overnight Mm -hmm. fix. 
if you know better, you do better is a quote that comes to mind. This is where you find the know in order how to do things is through the word. If like me, you really battle guilt and feeling like you have disappointed him when you miss a day or a week or a month, I understand. Mm -hmm. It keeps me from wanting to go back out of fear of having to face his disappointment. But this is not reality. Nowhere in the Bible does he ever say to his kids that he is upset with them so much that he's going to hold it over them as punishment going forward for not spending time with them every day. But the insane part is he lets us. Mm -hmm. The holy God of the universe not only allows us to return, but he is the brokenhearted father physically rushing out to meet us as we timidly and ashamedly return. Walking back across the field of relationship to him, he always welcomes us back into his presence with love, mercy, and grace. He is delighted in our return to him every time. This encounter will draw our hearts to apologize for our idolatry and our apathy towards him, but will thaw out the cold of our hearts to find grace in his embrace of forgiveness and love that's the power of just keep returning to the, to the word. Get help with this. Um, don't just stay in that spot where I stayed for so long. I don't understand it. Um, it's boring to me. And, you know, it's just, it's just too much. Get help with this. Go to some women that are doing it. They're doing it well. See what they do. And don't get caught up in a... a like a regime that becomes legalistic. Yeah. My Bible time looks different every day. Mm. And so um, that keeps it fresh for me. It keeps it exciting. Um, and sometimes when it's not exciting, it's just I know that I'm doing it and being obedient and the word is doing its work in me. So as, 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 as I said, just get help with this. If you don't know what you're doing, ask someone. Yeah, I've I have um firsthand recent experience of the word really becoming like my joy. Um and I accredit a, a bunch of that to the overview of the Bible course as well as the Bible recap because there's an actual like <laughs> understanding that yeah. I have gained from those two courses which makes it Oh my goodness, man. It, God's just increased my desire, my appetite, and my joy with this when I sit down with his word. But it's because I'm not just reading it because someone's telling me that to be a good Christian, I have to sit down and read the Bible. It's because it's becoming life to me because I'm, I feel like the Lord is finally meeting me in those efforts. Well, the Lord always meets us in our efforts, but he's, he's giving me understanding. He's granting me understanding and it's through resources that he's he's brought to me. So yeah, I'm with Deanna. Get get some help on this. If the if Bible reading is not a joy to you, then um maybe endeavor into understanding it a little bit better because it is a magnificent, incredible story of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Yeah. Um an another so we've talked about prayer. We've talked about Bible reading, studying. We can normally consider those the foundation disciplines to start with. Um, so we definitely wanted to start with those. We're going to go into the discipline of worship, um, whether that's privately worshiping, uh, worshiping, um, or corporately. Worship can really change your life if you make biblical worship music like the undertone or like the score of your every day, whether that's just listening to it, singing it, letting it be sung over you, just as background. There's all different versions of this. But music, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful forces on the planet, like it just in general. It holds the ability to touch places of our like inmost being, mm -hmm. yeah. and somehow music can shift an entire mood or a mindset of a moment. This power is real and is oftentimes why we press play on a song that promotes what we are feeling or what we want to be feeling. Music either comforts us or changes us, and that's why we love it. Just imagine the kind of power music would have if it combined its earthly power with the eternal power of God's words that live and breathe life into our dead souls. That is the power of worship music. When based on scripture, no matter the sound, the vocal or instrumentation, 
worship music is honestly the thing that has saved me time and time again and has opened the door to me falling in love with Jesus as a real being. Yeah. The Spirit of God can take one song and sing it over you in a moment you do not see your way out of. And He gives it purpose and meaning and direction. He can light up the dark room of your soul. He can relieve the heavy aching in your heart. And He clears the confusion of the screaming or the whispering mind games of fear and anxiety. He does all this all the time for His kids through music. Are you missing out on that opportunity? If so, I highly recommend introducing maybe just one new song a day for like a month and then seeing how he will use that song to transform your day-to-day walk with him. Man, this is, um, oh, this this is so near to my heart because worship music is on all the time in my life. Um And man, there's something so powerful about worship music and the tie that it has, or just all music in general, but the tie that it has to emotion. And so when your emotions are maybe a roller coaster or struggle all over the place, um, like certain seasons of my life have been, (laughs) there's something about rooting yourself in the discipline of, of worship, like worshiping God through, through music, um, that just brings you back to a place where you are rooted in him. There have been so many times in my life where a song has like specifically spoken to me where the Lord has like called me back through music. Um, yeah, it's, it's powerful. Uh, it's also something that I want to encourage all of you to, to not skip at church. Please don't skip worship. Please don't like think, Oh, well they play worship for the first 15 minutes of church. So I don't have to get there until like 15 after it literally prepares Like it stirs your affections for Christ. It prepares your heart to be able to even receive what's being spoken off of the platform because I don't want to call it like your warm up because I don't think that's, that's accurate, but it does bring you to a certain place where you're like, you're ready. You're ready for the words. Whereas if you skip it and walk in late because of whatever, you know, you're, you're warming up, I guess, like while the words are already being spoken. So there's just some dynamic. I'm not sure that I know what exactly it is, but I know that it's real. And let's just keep it simple. It is what it is. It's worship. Yeah. Um, it's it's one form of worship. It's a musical yeah. form of worship. It's not about us. Yes. It is about God and His yeah. um, and who He is. And it includes us because we are in Him. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it just... It does. Well, it yeah. gets your eyes off of yourself. It, it, it does, if you let it. Yeah. If you let it. And um, just let musical worship do what it's meant to do. Stir you. Yeah. Stir you. Yeah. Step four we have is meditation. And you may be thinking, no, y'all already talked about the word on step two. Well, we want to dedicate a point to this one because it, it is a little nuanced. Meditation is, in, in a simple form, is repeating the same scripture throughout your day. You can do that through reading, writing, saying it out loud, or praying it. There's all kinds of ways to do this. And it may seem silly to some and obvious to others yet probably neither party are actually taking him up on this promise. Mm. There are countless passages that are expounding on the tool of meditating on his words. Yeah, He told us it is real and it does work. We just don't do it because it takes the bad word discipline. (laughs) (laughs) It requires taking inventory of our current mindset, taking captive those thoughts that don't match up with the truth of what he has already said, and then replacing those with the truthful promises of the word. And you really can't do this step of meditation successfully if you don't know the word and are not in the word, which is why this is number four after that number two. Yeah, meditation is, it was a game changer for me once I really learned Mm, what to do with it. And I, I do this, I challenge you to start with small time segments. Um, and, and use different apps for this. There's the Abide app, the Pause app, um, you know, just find a good sound app. And what you do is you start with one minute 
And you just try to focus on what you're supposed to be focusing on for one minute and try that, you know, two or three times a week. I always encourage ladies to start small and build from there because the mind, as we've talked about before, the mind can be trained to do things. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how ADD you are, Mm -hmm. the mind can be trained. And so if you're training your mind to think about God's words, God's truth, that can't do anything but help you. Yeah, this one goes back to um, probably about a year and a half ago now, I went to a silence and solitude retreat. And the practice of biblical meditation was introduced to me. And um, then it was also reaffirmed in like when I was going through therapy, um, just this practice of sitting quietly before the Lord or just like meditating on certain scriptures, repeating them over and over and over and over again. And this, again, I go back to just this, like how it, this is a gift. Like this is our heavenly father who's created us and knows how we operate and work, knows that our bodies and our minds need rest, need decompress, need to sit and be still with him and call like called back to him. And that's what meditation does for me. I feel like a huge difference in the way that I interact with people, the way that I deal with stress, the way that I um, handle stressors when I am actively like meditating on the word as a regular practice and rhythm in my life. So it is definitely one to not forego or miss. Yeah. And just like meditation can, just like you said, can be someone people like skip over because it takes more discipline for some reason than maybe the others. The next one is memorization, which we so closely, you know, link those together because they both are hard and take discipline um, when you first, you know, start at it. But memorization is just at its like clearest form is just taking a verse or a passage like on a weekly or monthly basis and just reciting that same one out loud, again, reading it, writing it just multiple times. It just to get it ingrained in your head. It takes meditation to another. Actually, it. I don't know which one comes first. Do meditation. you think memorization, meditation comes first? Meditation can aid in your memorization. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's a good way of saying it. It's a both and not an either or. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so four and five can be interchangeable. <laughs> There's not a specific <laughs> order. Um, I will personally admit this is a step I have never really tried to tackle. Um, I grew up in a Christian school from like infancy till the day I graduated high school. And I had to memorize lots of verses for like actual school for like 18 years. So while this was great at the time, and I also got, I always got them memorized long enough for whatever test or quiz I had to take. Unfortunately, most of those verses just didn't really stick to my long-term memory. I memorized for performance and not really like for presence. And by that, I mean, I memorized for the immediate need of schoolwork instead of my future, like unforeseen needs and moments of my life. Memorizing scripture is an investment. Yes, of your time now, but in reality, when it's done correctly, it's actually investing in the future you when she will need it the most. We take this for granted because we live in America 2023, where we can pull up a hundred versions of the Bible on an app or take the seven seconds of Googling verses for anxiety in our moment of anxiety. And while this is awesome, this is not the biblical commandment of writing the words on our hearts day and night, rehearsing them so that we are filled to the brim with promises that unhold potential in transforming our minds. So sticking a post-it note on your mirror that says you are enough may make you feel good about yourself for like the 10 minutes you stare into the mirror getting ready every morning. But let me tell you a secret. Your words hold little power. They have some power. Yes, words are powerful things, but your words are as dead as dirt three seconds after you just spoke them. They will not last. The only words that hold weight enough to last days and years and generations and centuries are his words. They're timeless, they are alive, they are always breathing fresh hope and peace into every moment they are read or sung or spoken. Every single time, that is where the power is. So if you're struggling with your mind and not memorizing scripture, you're kind of choosing to ignore a secret to victory. 
Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot more to say about this, except don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. Choose passages that you're interested in, that you've always liked. Um, give yourself enough time to do this. Don't try to memorize a chapter every week or a mm -hmm. chapter every month. Um, just like everything else, start small, review it, put it around places. And um, once it becomes part of your regular mind process and thought process, those verses will come back to you when you need them. Yeah, I would say just a practical tip, um, print out the verse that you're trying to memorize and like literally stick it everywhere. Like I've, I've done this so many times, stick it in your car, stick it on your mirror, stick it next to your nightstand. Um, that helps. Uh, and then there's also this really neat resource that we'll link below. It's called dwell. It's not the dwell app. It's like actually, um, or it dwell differently or something. But anyways, there are these little tattoos and they're like designed by like graphic designers who have way more talent than I do, but they're like cute little tattoos and you, they're temporary tattoos and you stick them on your wrist and it has the first letter of each word in the verse. Huh. And so it can help you. And then it comes with like a little keychain and stuff too. And it's usually, it's just like one single, maybe two verses at the most. Um, and yeah, they send one out to you each month. I think it's like 12 bucks and it just comes to your door huh. and like a little envelope. It's really cool. I've never heard of that either. That is yeah. a, a very creative idea. Yep. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm um, another area is, is this pretty straightforward is to serve something or someone else. And you're like, well, how does this help me get over my struggle? And within your church and outside of your church, there's so many needs that you can be meeting. And this is just like a, even a non-Christian tip is like getting outside of your own head, your own body, your own world and going and serving and doing something for someone else can like take you out of that for, for a little bit. So like we've said so many times already, Please discover your spiritual gift. If you do not know it, please find it out. You have one, if not more than one, if you are a believer. And then actually use your spiritual gift. Serving others is a proven method of relief. It shifts your focus onto those in need. You want to talk about just serving people? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, I've counseled a lot of women and... When they come to me, they're so focused on everything about themselves. Mm -hmm. And one of our our assignments would be find someone that needs to be focused on, that needs encouragement, do something for them. You've got to get outside of your own self and focus on others. It's not only a good thing that's helpful for you, it's something that we're commanded to do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a scripture that says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Yeah. And that is something, oh my goodness, that has rung true to me so many times in my life. Um, yeah, it just, it it gets you outside of your own crap. It reveals to you the nature of your own heart um, and just allows you to to get your eyes onto someone else and, and their struggle and um, also there's just something that's so, um, rewarding about helping someone else through their stuff, you know, or to bear with one another, each other's burdens and to help lift up each other's arms. Um, and I don't know, there's just these principles that God created this universe to operate on. And that's one of them that like you receive when you serve, you receive when you give out, like it's, it's just one of the ways that he created this earth to operate. So and on the heels of serving, we take that right into the step of community. So whether that's, you know, a small group, a home group, you're in a youth group, you're in a Bible study, just getting coffee with people on a regular basis. Maybe you can read a book with a friend and then discuss it. Have like a text group that takes turns sharing verses together or takes turns praying for each other. Go find a mentor. Cultivating a community that is pursuing the same ultimate friend in Jesus as you will fill holes in your soul that you didn't even realize mm -hmm. existed. Mm -hmm. Like this is real. Even Jesus chose to cultivate a community around himself. He handpicked 12 men that he knew would walk beside him through the various ups and downs of his ministry. Think about that. The self-fulfilled and sufficient one prioritized community based on doing ministry and kingdom work together. If the creator himself chose to create community from his own creation, like us human beings on earth, why do we think we're superior to doing the same? Like we don't need community. Go Deanna. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
take the first step. Mm. I, I've, I've been in church life all my life and being on the side of it as being one of the people that people come to um, for what they, they, they want to say what they want to get out of church and what they need from church. If we have a, a, a church full of people that are coming just for, I want you to reach out to me, it doesn't work. And so even where, like Erica said, um, you know, get a mentor, I say be a mentor, mm. you know, offer yourself to other people. I think that goes in line with just as everything we've said as far as like getting the focus off of yourself. Yeah. Um, if, if you've been in the church for 5, 10, 15, 25, 35 years, and you're still wanting someone else to be your mentor, and you've not stepped into the other role, you're missing it. You're mm. missing it. So yes, make your own community. Don't wait to be invited. Um, don't wait, you know, and just sit on the sidelines and wait for someone to come up to you. Be creative. Make your own community. Yeah, don't skip this step, y'all. Like God created us to be in community with one another. Don't forsake the fellowship of believers. Um, this podcast, Iron Sharpening Iron, um, without doubt, you will go off into some weird, bonkers, crazy theology if you try and do this by yourself in your living room. Um, you know, like we were created for the context like of community and relationship and people like literally even when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray like in community, our father who are in heaven, you know, like, I mean, that was just so significant to me when I like first saw that I was like, Oh my goodness. He even taught us to pray as a community, you know? So there's, there's stock there. There's a reason why it's not just like one verse. It's all throughout scripture community, like doing life together. Mm, yeah, that's good. Next step is replacing the triggers. Um, what I mean when I say this is start replacing anything that tempts you to fall into one of your struggle areas that we've already talked about Ooh, this is good. with biblical profitable things. Don't just attempt to cut out the trigger. Try replacing that toxic thing with something healthy. Create a better habit over time. Again, everything that we've just said, worship music, reading a good, you know, Christian-based book, a podcast, etc. If like a certain TV show or a movie stirs up lust or makes sin look really good and desirable, stop watching that one and watch something that doesn't do that. If unlimited private access to the internet on your phone leads to conversations and scrolling through stuff that you know you wouldn't do in front of your parents or your pastor, Ask your parents to keep your phone at nighttime. This may be for people like teenagers or whatever. Like ask your parents to keep your phone at nighttime. Or your spouse or or a basket sitting a, up at your front right. door. <laughs> Accountability somewhere. It sounds crazy, but not as crazy as years from now paying for bad choices you made late at night on the phone by yourself. Yeah. If a certain friend stirs up gossip or slander, stop talking to them or talk about something else. If a certain song pushes you into sadness every single time, stop listening to the song and turn on a song that instills joy. If a certain account on social media always creates thoughts of comparison or discontent, stop following it and start following a spiritually encouraging account in its place. Again, if a certain place or food normalizes an unhealthy eating habit with you, stop going there or eating that food and eat something else instead. If a certain time of day makes it easier to slip into laziness or self-isolation, try filling that time with something profitable or maybe ask a friend to FaceTime during that hour or go get or get coffee with you. If you tend to uh, feed your shopping addiction on days you don't have anything better to do, like me, <laughs> find something better to do. Just don't take it out and not replace it with something good because you're just going to repeat yourself in that toxic habit. Replace it with something better. Yeah, attempting to stop anything mm, is probably not going to work. You know, even this is pro this is a biblical concept too to um, to not just stop but start doing something. So start something in its place, like fill your mind. Don't just stop thinking about the bad things, but think about things that are good, pure, lovely, noble, praiseworthy. Um, like all of these actions are. <laughs> God gives us an antidote, like he gives us something to fight them with. And there's another thing that you said, um, stirring up 
gossip. Like if you have a certain friend that you know that you just, that tends to lead you down those gossip conversations or whatever else. Um, if you're not bold enough to maybe say, Hey, this is probably sinful and we should stop. Just be silent. Just be silent or turn the conversation. You know, I mean, and hopefully eventually they start picking up the idea and hopefully eventually you start growing in your boldness to, to call it out. But that would be my two cents. Yeah. All the cents are good cents. Um, yeah, I, I've got about 25 cents over here. You do. You do. You <laughs> got, got a quarter cents over there. My thing is we just, we are just, we just say yes to ourselves constantly. Oh gosh. Yeah. And we pet ourselves and was like, Oh, but this is such a, a struggle and a trigger for me. Okay, girls, come on. Are, are we that weak? I don't think we are. I don't think we are. We just don't want to. And so say no to yourself. I remember years ago, I I went to a women's conference and they just started challenging you like, start saying no to things yeah, and not giving yourself permission to do everything, whether it's sulk um, in your own misery Mm -hmm. or going out and spending money you don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's just practical things. And yes, I, I get all these things like, yeah, I do not window shop. You know, if my family or something, they say they want to go somewhere that we know it's a shopping place. I say only if I'm allowed to spend money. Yeah, I'm not going to go. And then Jeff will have to be like, well, I'll give you $50 or $100 <laughs> you can spend because I, I don't even want to be there because I know that's what I will do. Yeah. So, yes, there's those things. But come on, we've got to start saying no to ourselves. Yeah. We have spoiled ourselves rotten. We give ourselves everything we want. We, we've become no better than spoiled children. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, let, yeah let, let's get rid of some of those triggers. And let let's let's just live as stronger women um, than what we are now. I remember listening to a podcast one time, and um, she was like, kind of rebuking us on the same line. She was like, "Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, who lives in you, doesn't have power over the box of Oreos? Like, really, you can't well, just not, have not one Oreos." <laughs> Oreos are on a list you can't touch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Set them aside. But you know what? I, touch Oreos. Maybe Chips Ahoy. Chips. Yeah. But no, she's, you're she's, right. She's talking about like consuming the whole. Well, I can't just have one because I won't be able to stop. Like really? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're choosing not to stop. Oh, like yeah. you have the power to overcome sin. It is within you. The Holy Spirit of Jesus dwells in you. The Holy Spirit of God is there. He is present. He's given you power over sin. So yeah, girl, preach. <laughs> Isn't that a t-shirt you have, Mom? It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> that This is random and it's going to be like five seconds, but that makes me, the Oreo thing, that makes me think of this meme I saw. It had Baby Yoda holding a Dorito bag. And it said, it said, me, quotation marks, maybe I am a whole family. Because <laughs> <laughs> the bags are for a whole family. And we can size. eat them in one sitting. I yeah. can't. I was like, that's Oh so my true. goodness. Maybe I am a whole family. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a little tangent. Um, But that kind of flows into like, just start saying no. Like our next one is just get real and honest with yourself about who and what is spiritually healthy for you in the season of your life. Mm -hmm. Get with real, get real with your friends. Like friends have the power to completely change the course of your life. Those who you surround yourself with. So choose with a biblical mindset. If you have to release a friendship, do so in love, but do it. I know this is possible because it is biblical. Like be the friend you dream of having or need. Befriend the friendless, love the unlovely. God rewards us. We just have to be honest with ourselves of like, I know what is not working for me and I need to make some changes. Yeah. And if you're like not super self-reflective, ask someone like, first of all, there are a whole slew of different ways that you can um, go through an inventory of your life and like ask yourself some hard questions. But one of the surest ways that you can get some truthful responses is by asking trusted friends and people in your life like, hey, do you see any areas in my life that I could be working on? Hard question. And make sure that you pray so that you're ready for the answers. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. Get real and honest. I know we live in a culture right now that everyone's like, we're just going to be authentic. We're just going to be authentic. And I almost feel like I 
I see more of the complete opposite yeah. happening. Um, so make sure your authenticity is true authenticity. And and being authentic and real and honest doesn't mean you just go off and say whatever you want to say. Oh, yeah. Um, behave whatever way you want to behave. No, there, there's still such things as ethics and manners and politeness and knowing where and when is appropriate times. But um, I've, I've always been very strict on this. Um, I get very little free time to just do whatever fun friends stuff and i'm only doing it with people that make me better yeah it's mm, good yeah. um step number 10 is gonna seem odd but it is so helpful embrace the fact that it is a struggle like again we said this earlier it is not an overnight fix it's called a struggle for a reason we were using that word it is a struggle it is a battle we are in these fleshly bodies on a you know a sin fallen world um, but we have the spirit within us. They are at war. Like it is a struggle. Mm -hmm. Don't act like it's not because that's never going to get you anywhere. Um, just ignoring and covering up or delaying your struggle with distractions will never ease the ache. Do you want to be battling the same stuff for the rest of your life? I didn't have to, but I chose to because I kept just choosing to ignore it. I have paid and will pay long-term consequences because I didn't want to put in the work and I delayed the joy that comes with just surrendering. Yeah. Become comfortable with the uncomfortable side of this. Like sit in the scary and let the spirit speak into it for you. Nothing on the list is capable of defeating the spirit inside of you. Including the Oreos. Including the Oreos and the Doritos. <laughs> but you have to invite him to fight for you. And he will do it every time. He, It has already, already been defeated. Yeah. You just keep letting a dead thing define you. How much longer are you going to let that thing rule over your days and nights? It turns into years. Attack the struggle today. Tonight. Right now, maybe tomorrow when you wake up, next week, the, the, the next week version of you, the you from five, five years from now is going to thank you if you just embrace it and start attacking it. Yeah, I, I say this, you know, we, we do. We want to be compassionate and caring for um, women going through different struggles. But um, at one point, we got to get off the struggle bus, girls. I mean, um, you know, we, I can only use struggle so long as an excuse. Um, but if it is a struggle, embrace it. Do what you need to do to fight that thing. And, um, you know, get scripture, get praying about it, read books on it. When my, when my struggle slash sin was anger and releasing that anger in so many different ways, I had to attack it. Mm -hmm. I had to embrace it. And when I did embrace them, it took me about two or three years, but I am the girl now, 5, 10, 15 years after that. And I am so grateful for that. Mm. Grabbing onto that struggle and saying, God, I'm not staying here. Yeah. I'm not staying. I don't know how long it's going to take for you to release me from this, but I'm not staying there. Yeah. Well, and I also just want to speak to this part of it too. We have a very real enemy and he hates us and he wants to steal, kill and destroy us and every kind of progress that we've made in every single area of our life. And he loves to remind you mm. of how broken and how disgusting and how uh, hopeless you are. And so I just want to speak to that end of it because I know like I've overcome some certain areas of my life through the power of Jesus in me. And there are certain times where I will like, be reminded of that or like a certain thought will come into my mind again or something. I'll be like, Oh my goodness, maybe I haven't overcome this. Maybe all, maybe I haven't really, maybe I'm not actually where I think that I am and everything else. And I just want to like, I mean, literally like I was just here the other day and my husband had to speak this into me and he was like, don't negate all the progress that God has made in you. Don't negate all the work that God has done. Just because you've had one fleeting thought that came up, which you did take captive, recognize and replace it with truth. Like, don't let that define you. So like, just, just know that you might have some victory in some areas of your life and you it's okay to recognize that and it's okay to praise God, like give God praise for what it's worth, you know, and, and don't go backwards just because you have one fleeting thought that was, is sinful in nature and think that that's your identity. Like God has still done a work. Mm. 
Yeah. Our last step is pretty much what they kind of already said, to be honest, is you just have to to choose it. Now, don't hear what we're not saying. This is not a work in and of ourselves. If, if we try to go at this Mm-mm. by ourselves without engaging with the Holy Spirit within us, inviting the Lord to do it with us, it is not possible. But we are active agents in this. We are not just sitting out here like dummies, like, Lord, fix my struggle. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. No, we have a part in this. And it's deploying self-control. And this is the hardest of them all, I think, because it requires, again, that word we hate, discipline. Mm-hmm. Something none of us naturally want to put effort towards. It takes practice and a lot of time digging through the dirt in order to start sowing a seed so that you can reap the benefits down the road. Many of my personal struggle areas are emotion or Mm thought-based, like not necessarily action-based. So since mine are not outwardly visible, I do not have the luxury of like tangible accountability from others every single time. Mm. Unless I choose to act upon it, no one else but me knows when I am fighting a thought or emotion or a desire that I shouldn't be. So it became evident really quickly that I had to learn how to hold myself accountable with the Holy Spirit in me because no one else could if it's just in my own head. Mm. So as stupid and cheesy as it sounds, at the end of the day, like a lot of the time, you just have to choose it. For me, I had to choose joy when I was emotionless, or I had to choose contentment when I felt lack. I had to choose relationship with my father or friends or family when I was being told I I felt lonely in my head. Mm. It is important to note that there is a reason that we have this listed as like last on the lips of steps on how to fight for, for two reasons. One, you cannot choose pretty much what I just said. You cannot choose what you do not know how to choose. And you learn how to choose the right weapon by picking up the weapon itself, which is the word. Mm-hmm. And second, there is no power in your choosing in and of it of yourself. The whole mind over matter, manifestation, and power of the mind stuff is powerless against actual sin yeah. and the enemy of itself. You have to be secure, strong, and sure of who and what is the power behind the self-control in order for it to work. Yeah. In fact, we should probably start thinking of it as spirit control instead of self-control because self can't do squat without the spirit. Yep. But once you are in tune and become familiar with the power of the spirit that is in you, you can then choose to walk in its power. So again, it sounds pointless and fluffy, but I promise you, if you will start choosing by the spirit inside of you, the father will honor and reward that choice of trust and dependence and faith on himself in victory. Mm. Yeah, I'm reminded of like he is faithful to finish the work that he has started in us. You know, um, inevitably, Christ is the one that's working out our salvation. And Christ is the one in us, the spirit of him who is in us that is giving us victory over these areas. He has given us the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control, you know, and so that is something that's cultivated in a life that is with him, that is lived with him. Those, those fruits, like, you know, like he is the vine, we are the branches. Like we almost can't help but to bear fruit when we are in him. And when we're giving ourselves over to these disciplines, to these practices, to these steps, to these things, you know, like it is, it is something that will come in your life, but, but you, we are still responsible. And I know I don't fully understand this, but we are still responsible. And so, yeah. I've had a few women ask me recently, how much is it what I do? And then what the spirit just says he's going to do. And I have, I have, I think I have some good biblical answers to that. But um, I did get a book recently on a a really good author that I'm going to read on this. But but one of the things that has helped me with all of these areas is who do I want to be? And what do I want to have accomplished in five years from now in 10 years from now? in 15 and 20 years from now. And I started thinking that way probably about 20 years ago. And that has really helped me with a lot of this stuff. It's it's caused me to put things into my life because in 20 years, if I don't really learn how to study the Bible and I don't really learn how to pray and have a relationship with God, I cannot be the woman's the women's ministry leader that I need to be. Yeah. I can't be the 
parent I need to be. I can't be the grandparent that I hope to be one day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, I, I want to, I look forward to things and I start planning and it means, mm-hmm. okay, I got to have a plan of attack against this struggle or I've got a plan. How am I going to get better or grow in this area? Yeah. And then I put feet to my plans. Yep. Put wheels on the cart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 uh, yeah, that's a really good point to add. Um, in kind of wrapping this up, I do want to touch on a random thing. Paul in the Bible, one of the strongest believers like the world has ever, you know, had on record mm-hmm. um, and countless others in the Bible, including Jesus himself, who was the sinless one. They all experienced struggles this side of heaven mm-hmm. that God, for some reason, chose not to relieve at the time. This isn't to say that he couldn't have but that he chose not to. He even told us this kind of thing would happen when he writes about persecutions, trials, temptations, and tribulations. He sovereignly allows and even plans for his kids to have to struggle with stuff. It seems unloving of him at first because our minds can't grapple with the fact that a God who has the power to change something from hurting us would use his power not to change it. But this is when your faith proves itself real or not, because someone with faith knows the Father loves them, even when their circumstances do not feel loving, all simply because he said so, and his word is true, and he does not ever lie. So when he chooses not to relieve our struggle, even in the shadow of our genuine obedience, our faith, and our dependence on the Spirit— We can then choose to believe that the struggle we have is actually a sign of his love and power instead of questioning his love and power. He has promised to work everything out for the good of those who love him and are called to his purposes, those of us who are saved. So if you are one of the saved, embrace the struggle. It's actually for your good. Mm -hmm. Maybe not our definition of good, but ultimately his. This is where our faith is grown and nurtured by a father who never lets any single struggle go to waste. And if that is not enough to comfort us in our struggles, he gives us one more reason to take heart in it, his glory. I know when I was in middle school and high school, I used to hear teaching on this aspect of God and would question, well, isn't that kind of selfish and like kind of cruel of him? Like he lets people go through struggle and death and loss and all this stuff because he just wants to like look good and get glory. And if you have ever thought that, you are probably one of millions of people who have fought the same question because in our little human minds, it doesn't add up. It just really doesn't. A good God planning pain for his people so that he comes out better in the end, that is not a good or a loving God. Maybe that's what you've thought like me. But again, this is where we have to step back, say to ourselves, God loves me. The Bible tells me so. God works everything out in the end for my good and his glory. The Bible tells me this, and I am not commanded to try to connect the dots between these statements. I am commanded to just trust the parts of him that I have been given. And this is how on those days when the loneliness is like so thick around me, because that's one of my struggle areas that I can almost see it in the air like a fog you can't see your way out of, or the nights maybe when the ache is so heavy in your stomach that I personally cannot sleep for fear of like falling out of my own body, I am still able to say, Father, you are my shepherd and the keeper of my soul. I lack no good thing because you have simply said otherwise. And even though this sucks, I know you are good to me in all things even the unremoved struggle. You have promised that all things are all things are to make you more beautiful to others and myself. And so if for no other reason than that, please show me how to sit in my struggle in a way that proves you're beautiful more than I could have done without the struggle. So whether my good or his glory, I can be confident that my struggle serves a purpose. And this is how you embrace it. When we obey his word, invite the spirit to empower us to walk worthy of him, pray, worship, serve, read, meditate, memorize, give, surround yourself with the community and resources 
A lot of the time, by his grace alone, he does remove or relieve our struggles. And we're so thankful when that happens. But in the case he chooses not to, the only thing left to choose is to trust him in himself, in his words, in his spirit, in his sovereignty over all things. Choose to ground yourself in none other than these. And even in the midst of your struggle, you can find relief knowing there is purpose for it. Seek first the kingdom and the rest will be added. Maybe not on earth, but where it really matters with him in eternity forever and ever. So if you dedicate yourselves to these steps, I can promise, but even better, he promises you it will pay off. None of this is done with the goal of earning his love or like maintaining a status with him. It's pursued out of a heart that just wants to know the one who already knows you. Love the one who loves you. Choose the one who is choosing you. He is there. He has handed us the book of secrets, the Bible, a tutorial that if you just take the time to listen, to learn it, obey it, that's where joy is found. That is where purpose and meaning is. Our shepherd promises to lead us in green pastures and besides still waters. He will restore our soul. The green pastures of contentment and the still waters of peace are found by the sheep when we are led by our shepherd. He knows where they are because he is where they are. Being led by the shepherd is the contentment and the peace. Our souls are restored here and nowhere else. He has already laid out an entire table spread before you. There is no reason to fear at this table prepared by him. So take your seat and find some sisters to sit around the table with you to know him and to make him known. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, again, go back and, and listen to part one last week if you missed that. We really want you guys to be utilizing our, our resources that we recommend. Anything that we've said is going to be in the show notes. Um, you can find them there. We hope you join us on next week's episode and we'll see you then. Hey sisters, thank y'all so much for spending your time with us. We are excited and expectant for everything Jesus is going to do through these conversations. If you found this encouraging, insightful, or brought you some moments of joy or laughter, go ahead and share this episode with your spiritual sisters to keep today's conversation going. Then come on back and hang out with us on the next episode of The Iron Women. 